Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Andrea Ferrero. Andrea brings over a decade of experience in teaching and learning, curriculum and program development, and community capacity building together to design award-winning educational programs and digital products. She holds a teaching credential in pre-K to 12th grade, multiple subjects, and two master's degrees in educational leadership and curriculum and instruction with multicultural contexts. Leading Pockets Change, Andrea works with schools, organizations, and businesses to make finance fun through innovative educational approaches and meaningful ed tech tools. She has served as a delegate to the World Innovation Summit in Qatar, the ASCD Supervision and Curriculum Development Delegation in China, the Multi-Age Learning Institute in New Zealand, and the Mozilla Open Leaders in England. Andrea is also a board member of the California Jumpstart Coalition. Follow Andrea on Twitter at Pockets Change, on Instagram at the same handle, at Pockets Change, and on her blog at PocketsChange.com. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Yes, definitely. Thanks for having me on the show and for that great introduction. (laughs) Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Definitely. So I'm based in New York City, um, but I work nationally. Uh, So I'm the leader of a nonprofit that I co-founded, and we work with kindergarten up through 12th grade teaching personal finance. And most of our on-the-ground programs are here in New York or in California. And right now, because of the current situation, a lot of that is online. Um, And mostly I work with underserved communities and schools and community-based organizations, a lot of the kinds of schools that I grew up in myself. That sounds great. And I look forward to getting more into your work at Pockets Change. But first of all, I have to ask you, how are you doing with this quarantine? I mean, you're there in New York, which is kind of the epicenter of the the infections, unfortunately, in the United States. So how are you doing and uh, what does life look like in, in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I think like many people, like staying at home, right? Doing a lot of Zoom meetings and virtual meetups um, to keep myself sane and to connect with people um, and just kind of taking it day by day. I'm very fortunate in that like I have access to supplies and resources and and I'm still able to talk with my team and get my chocolate lab out to, to do walks around our park. We just keep distance from people and yeah, just taking it day by day. Awesome. Well, it is story time. I'd like to start there, Andrea. So share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you've faced somewhere in your teaching or your education career, or we could include in that your entrepreneurial career. I don't know if you would call it that. I'll leave that to you. But think back to one of those moments and then describe how you overcame it. Yeah. So I think one that comes to mind that's like particularly powerful. And I think as teachers, most of us have this sometime during our first year of teaching that moment of like extreme overwhelm. And my first year teaching was actually on the Navajo reservation where I grew up and I was teaching second grade. And it was about the end of the first month. And I had only been given a $50 budget. That's what all teachers got, $50 budget for supplies. 
And we were, we were responsible for integrating art and science. There was no core curriculum for that. And then we also had to buy basic supplies like paper, pencils, crayons, things like that, all out of that $50 budget. And I was trying to figure out how to make it stretch. It was already pretty much gone. And just feeling this like overwhelmed sensation of like I was letting down all these kids and these little lives in my classroom. And out of that kind of moment of desperation, I started a classroom store with my second graders where we would sell pickles after school. And we started using that money to get a variety of school supplies for our classroom. And the kids over time started to take over that store. And it really cultivated my interest in teaching kids about money and having conversations about money and entrepreneurship. And it also turned into this way of allowing my class to be part of the process of choosing supplies for our learning and be part of guiding art explorations and science experiments. So it really ended up being this kind of magical moment, but it came from this like extreme overwhelm and just feeling of like, what, what am I going to do with a lack of tools and, and lack of resources? Mm-hmm. Why pickles? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if we have any like listeners that are from the, the Navajo reservation. I, I grew up in Tuba City um, and pickles, especially during like the spring and summer, they're like a delicacy, a nice treat. You can buy them in giant jars and and sell. So we'd sell these dill pickles. We started at a dollar and we slowly raised our prices. Demand went up to a dollar fifty and then a dollar seventy five per pickle. Um, but yeah, that, that's, where, that's where it came from. That is such a cool story, and it makes sense that it's a, a local uh, delicacy. It's a local favorite, and from a business perspective, pickles keep really well, right? So that's a, another they totally do another plus with that product. Well, as I mentioned off the top, Andrea, you are the co-founder and executive director of this organization called Pockets Change. So talk about the mission and vision of the organization. How do you seek to serve schools and learners today? Yeah, definitely. So Pockets Change actually started as a side project and a passion project about 10 years ago while I was still in the classroom. And uh, me and one of my close friends, Pamela Capellad, who's a certified financial planner, um, we were having this conversation about why kids like us did never learn about money when we were little and and the lack of access and the lack of resources. And so that's where really this, this idea grew to create Pockets Change. And at first, it was just going to be a curriculum. And then we found that while teachers were really excited about the curriculum, they felt like they didn't have the tools or the time to integrate it fully. And that's where Pockets Change has grown to provide these in-person workshops and tools online and staff development. Um, so that now today, I do Pockets Change full-time. And I'm still in classrooms, but in a different capacity. And we work with you know K through 12 traveling around usually, um, but right now we're mostly just online um, to really dig into these conversations around money and entrepreneurship and to make money more approachable. And our goal, our, our true mission is to change the way finance is taught so that the kids that need it most and the communities that need it most are getting access. Now, I have to ask about the name Pockets Change. I mean, that's obviously a twist on pocket change or, or pocket singular change. So is that sort of a nod to this idea that our, our pockets maybe get a little more full of metaphorical money as we practice better principles or, or talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, so it actually came from a quote um, from uh, Gertrude Stein that's um, the money is always there. It's just the pockets that change. And, and it really goes to the heart of our mission to cultivate financial resilience and being able to overcome obstacles. And there's also another kind of play on words within that. We use hip-hop pedagogy. And so when you find your rhythm, you're finding your pocket. Um, so that's where we get the name from. Very cool. All right. 
Well, I want to zoom in on this area of financial literacy. And by the way, I'm such a, a huge fan. It doesn't mean that I have every area of my own personal finances figured out just right. But I've, uh, you know, I, I listen to, uh, or I have in the past listened to people like Dave Ramsey and, you know, entrepreneurs like Pat Flynn, who actually wants to do more in schools as well. And, and so I'm a big believer that this area is sort of underrepresented in our curriculum. Why do you think it's such a critical concern for students today? And what do you see as some of the most serious gaps in our typical K-12 education curriculum? So I think it's it's a crucial life skill. And we've actually had teachers come up at the end of like staff development workshops and say that it's changed the way that they look at their own personal finances and that it's so powerful because it's not just about yourself as an individual. It's also about empowering communities and how all of that starts with being able to kind of put your own life mask on. Um, and when it comes to finances for, for younger kids, studies have actually shown that we form our money habits around seven years old. It's just like early reading skills, right? Those, those early lessons really stick with us. And those tendencies with money that we form at a young age tend to follow us through for the rest of our lives. Um, We've actually had, like in one of our in one of our workshops, I had a six-year-old come up to me. She realized we were going to be doing a lesson in her class about um, spending. And she she kind of pulled me to the side to tell me that she was really worried because she's really bad at money. And that's, a, <laughs> that's a six years old, right? And I think like all of us have had those feelings and there's a lot of emotion that comes up with money. And so I think one of the big gaps that we have in education, and this is K through 12, is that we're not addressing personal values, habit building, and how to navigate financial systems. There's still a lot of taboo around finances. And so when it is taught, it tends to be it tends to be kind of like a side course in high school. And it can be it can be very focused on formulas that feel kind of almost like abstract and also confining. Um, we've had, you know, a high school student that that told us, I've created, she came in, we were gonna do spending values. And she said, I've created so many of these budgets in other classes. And I said, well, do they work for you? And she said, no, I just fill them out and then I'm done with it. <laughs> and <Right>. so <laughs> I mean, we've all had that feeling too, right? Like I, I filled yeah. it out at the beginning of the month. It didn't work. Now it's done. Um, and so we actually go through and we unpack like your values and how does your spending align to your values and then create a plan from that point as part of our curriculum. And we found that when you come from that place of, exploring your own values, exploring your own identity, then it, it really builds the long-term habits and, and helps to help us all navigate financial systems. So I think that's the big thing that's missing. And, and we see that across K through 12. It's just not, it's not fully integrated and we're not having those conversations. I love everything you're saying there. And, and I completely agree as with anything else that we attempt to do, it has to start with our why, right? It has to start with our core values, our core mission. And if that isn't fueling those changes in habits, then those changes aren't going to last. A couple of other thoughts that sort of came to mind while you were talking, you know, you talk about teachers and I think I work with so many teachers and this is my fourth school. So I've been around in some different contexts and I think 90%, just a casual anecdotal guess would be about 90% of teachers are not looking at their pay stub or they're not looking at the details, right? They're not thinking about their pension or their investments or how the their retirement is being set up by the school. They're sort of just going with the flow. And I think we need, as educators, we need our own literacy. So that's a piece of this as well. 
Totally. And, and then just a, a really, you mentioned the word abstract and I, I so resonate with that. I, I think finances has to be connected. So last year at, at my school, I was able to launch an eighth grade entrepreneurship elective. And at first, uh, my school really didn't want these students to be keeping any money or they wanted to donate it. And I, I think there's a concern sometimes about optics. And so I, I sort of gently appealed that. And eventually I got permission for them to keep their money and they could donate portions of that if they so chose. But I thought, you know, these young people are, are working hard and they're investing the money up front right, for these different uh, products that they would be selling at our entrepreneurship fair. And we were tracking all of the dollars, you know, both the expenses and the revenues in Google Sheets. And at the end of the day, why would we take that away from them? Because what a powerful learning opportunity that represented. Have you done, I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you offer any sort of entrepreneurship programs or workshops through Pockets Change? Yeah, we do. We actually um, do a series of workshops called um, the Creative Economy, and um, we've had we've done that with again the K through twelve spectrum. We have a group of middle school girls that comes to mind. Um, they started their business together, similar to what you were talking about. We were able to get a partnership with a local bank. All of the kids were given fifty dollars of seed money. And the girls use that money together to start a dog walking business. Oh, cool. And they've been running that now. Yeah, they've been running that now for two years. Um, and after their first year, they went and they actually bought some like fancy leashes so they could upgrade their business um, <laughs> to, to then go back out into the neighborhoods. Um, and we do really look at entrepreneurship as a tool for, for exploring your relationship with money and building skills. So that even if you don't plan on being an entrepreneur as an adult, I still think it's a really valuable thing for all of our young people to have that experience. And it's going to make them stronger in any career to have those early experiences. So I loved hearing your anecdote. That's fantastic. You guys created space for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I was in New York City at Christmas and one of my stops had to be Gary V's headquarters. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, but you know he's got this huge marketing company at this point there in Hudson Yards, and he still will go out and buy and sell baseball carts, right? He's, <laughs> he stays in touch with his roots uh, where he, he developed that passion as a kid. And that's so important that our, our young people are, are getting invested in those opportunities. Well, Andrea, let's go sort of in a different direction and just talk about who you are as a person. So could you share with us about another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you leave pockets change and brings you alive as a human being? That's a little bit of a tough question, right? Because I feel like as educators, do we ever really fully leave, right? It's always like still like connected in the things that we're passionate about. Um, so I'm really passionate about exploring psychology and wellness, uh, especially when it comes to like understanding yourself better as a person. And so that kind of comes back to understanding yourself as a learner, but then using that as a way of like exploring connections within community. So this past summer, I actually got uh, my 200 hour yoga teacher certification. And I've been doing a lot of reading about like how our bodies process emotions and how through movement we can understand ourselves better and connect with others. I'm a big fan of like Brene Brown. And then also the, the nonprofit for educators breathe for change. So I explore a lot of um, readings from both of those groups. Very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm sure yoga has never been more important. I think so many people are, you know, their schedules, their routines have been so disrupted. 
there's a lot of sort of discomfort with the current quarantine situation and wow, 200 hours. Okay. You're not fooling around. <laughs> Andrea, share, share with us also, if you don't mind about a personal habit or a productivity hack that contributes to your success. How do you get it all done? Is there an app or a regular routine that really helps you? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that helps me is I, I often feel like I'm, I'm never going to get it all done. I think that's just like, that's, that's part of the struggle. Um, so I have a short mastermind call with a colleague every Thursday and it's just like 15 minutes, but that helps me just kind of unpack the stuff that's in my head and get out of my own head. And that's super helpful to me. All right. It's time for your quick picks, Andrea. Here we want to know the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. I said education voices. I mean, in your world, that might be financial literacy and, and other influences, of course, too. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we need to follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I love Clear the Air edu um, EDU. And it's almost like an online book club of sorts, but they really support the responsibility of educators to create an equitable society. And so they have weekly discussions around readings. It's this amazing community, and I just love following them. Point to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice, or, or maybe in terms of what you offer to schools, is there an app or an, another tool that really helps in that respect? Yeah, so two different ones. Um, Meister task for me, just in my own professional practice, that helps me get past analysis paralysis and prioritize tasks. Um, so yeah, Meister task is great. And then for working with communities and our students, we use Google Slides a lot. Recommend a book, maybe one that you've been reading lately or one of your all-time faves that was deeply influential. Ooh, okay, so one that I've been reading lately is called The Fix by Michelle King, and she's the director of inclusion at Netflix, and it really looks at how it's not that individuals are the problem, it's the systems and how to unpack the systems. And then an all-time favorite for education is Empower by John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. I love that one. Mm, and those two are doing so much good right now, so great picks there. If you are a podcast listener, Andrea, tell us about one that you've got in your deck. Yeah, so that, this is actually a podcast that is near and dear to my heart. It's actually led by my two co-teachers at Pockets Change. And so the, the podcast they do is um, Making Finance Personal, and it's called Brunch and Budget. And they also explore the racial wealth divide on that podcast. I will subscribe right now. Tell us about a YouTube channel that you are subscribed to. Now, I know not everyone is the subscribing type, but is there a channel that you really appreciate? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a fun one. It kind of like helps me just relax at the end of the day. I love the Graham Norton show. Okay. He's so he's so good. It's just like a talk show with celebrities and, and entertainers and art is so important right now. And he's really great at leading warm conversations and just creating this space for storytelling. So I love that. The very last question has never been more relevant. It's not educational, Andrea, but there in your quarantine, what are you watching on Netflix these days? Huge fan of stand-up comedy. Um, so Michael Che matters. And then also the, the series, the comedy lineup. All right. Fair enough. And have you sampled the tiger King or are you staying away? <laughs> I think I'm going to go ahead and stay away on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, what are the best ways for the listeners to follow you and connect with the pockets change and the financial literacy resources that you offer? 
Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter at Pockets Change. And we're also on Instagram, same, at Pockets Change. You can check out our website, um, www.pocketswiththeschange.com. And if you want to find your own money personality to really get that conversation started around money, you can go to pocketschange.com forward slash personality. Sounds good, Andrea. Thanks again for sharing your time with the podcast today. This is an area that I think deserves so much more attention than it receives. So uh, good luck as you continue developing the work of Pockets Change. Take care. Stay safe in the quarantine and let's talk again soon sounds great have a good one before we sign off today i'd like to share some highlights from the teachers on fire community this week our first stop is on twitter where ariel jankard at mrs jankard tweeted quote loved the teachers on fire episode with at jesus h 1979 on 3d printing my biggest takeaway the term dumpster projects This has been something I have struggled with. I want projects to have purpose. Jesus, your story was inspiring. Kudos to you for all your work. Hashtag STEM. Thank you so much for that feedback, Ariel. You've been a faithful supporter of the show, and I so appreciate it. Next, over on Instagram, in response to a post about an article I published called Nine Ways That Corona Will Improve K-12 Education, at Articulate, that's E-R-T-I-C-U-L-A-T-E, commented, Great list. My favorite is greater investment in asynchronous teaching practices. I wonder who has a good async hashtag ed tech tool. And I'm guessing you do at Articulate. Thank you so much for the feedback. Really appreciate hearing from you. And thank you for following me on Instagram. On the Teachers on Fire group on Facebook, my question of the week was, what is one thing you find yourself enjoying about the remote learning life? Jeffrey Frieden replied, being at home with the family and getting projects done around the house. And my colleague, Megan Churchill-Brown, wrote, exercising on my lunch break. (laughs) I'm with you there, too. On both of those, thank you so much for sharing from your context, Jeffrey and Megan. I'm sure you'll agree that during these dark days, it is so important to celebrate the silver linings. The Teachers on Fire group on Facebook is only a week old, but I hope you'll join the conversation there and share what is working for you in the remote learning environment. And of course, share what is challenging you as well. Let's pool our resources. To all who have read, viewed, liked, retweeted, commented, or replied to my content on any and all of these platforms, thank you. You are the fuel to my fire and I so appreciate your support. If you're looking for some great reading, make sure you drop by the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium this week, where we featured pieces by Jamie Brown, Tom Hobson, Kelly Christofferson, Lynn Thomas, Mark Horner, Debbie Tannenbaum, and me. The Teachers on Fire magazine is a Medium publication, and you'll find it on medium.com or on the Medium app. If you'd like to join our growing writing team, your first step is to create a Medium account using your Google credentials. Then message Teachers on Fire on any social media platform and I'll add you as a staff writer for the publication. Speaking of blogging, check out the Teacher Blogs podcast. Recent episodes there have featured the voices of Lynn Thomas and Brad Davis. You too can share your blog post in audio form by simply recording your post on your phone and then sending the clip to teacherblogspodcast at gmail.com. I'll be honored to feature your work there, and why not reach a different kind of audience? 
I will leave you with this quote from my reading Teachers on Fire. It's from a book called Launch, Using Design Thinking to Boost Creativity and Bring Out the Maker in Every Student. It's written by A.J. Giuliani, at A.J. Giuliani, and John Spencer, at Spencer Ideas on Twitter. And they write, quote, Design thinking provides a way to think about creative work. It starts with empathy, working to really understand the problems people are facing before attempting to create solutions. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard from Andrea Ferrero ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care, stay safe, and have a great week.